Isn't that beautiful? I think as we look at the amazing creation of God, it, it prepares us, of course, to, to meet with him. Stephanie is at the back. If you'd like to send your children back there to get your Bible boxes, the rest of us, we're going to turn from 1 John, where we spent a few Sundays, now back to the Gospel of John. So go to John chapter 15, the middle of the upper room discourse, as it's called, where the night before Jesus died, the night of his betrayal, he was in the upper room. And in that upper room, as they were seated around the table, he taught these chapters. And uh, as I put in the email newsletter, uh, they are kind of divided up from a sermon about the Father, a sermon about the Son, and a sermon about the Holy Spirit as he kind of walks the disciples through this triune relationship that we have with God in which we have the full resources of the Trinity that is ours for, for all the transforming power that, that he has for us. So we're going to look at John 15, 1 through 18, in just a moment. I'd like to kind of set it up so that uh, we can see the emphasis of his teaching and this uh, analogy that he gives. One of the most common things that I see as a pastoral counselor, I spend uh, literally thousands of hours over the years with marriages and helping marriages be restored and completed. But one of the things I see not only in marriages, but in families and in friendship relationships and also in our relationship with God is the expectation that you can, in fact, disconnect yourself from your mate or your child or your friend or from God and that you can still have a vital living relationship. I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had couples come in from all walks of life, all lengths of marriage, and say that their marriages are in trouble, that it's dying on the vine. And so in the initial conversation, as we're trying to figure out what might be the cause of such a malady, I ask simple kinds of questions to try to get at what is happening in the relationship. I would ask questions like, how much time do you spend together just talking with each other? Like you did when you first got married or first met one another and you were dating. How much time do you spend just talking? How many times a week do you do something together that you would call a date? Where you're just going out and enjoying being with each other. How many times a month do you get away from all the pressures of life? For a day or for an overnight. Uh, just to uh, put some time together outside of all the pressures that so uh, consume us and overwhelm us. How often do you just sit and hold each other, enjoying the closeness of physical touch or the intimacy of marital love? Now, more often than not, the answer to each of these is something along the lines of, well, it's, it's just not like that anymore. Or, we just don't have the time. Or, we really don't have anything in common. Now, what's interesting is that as a couple or as a family or even as two friends, you would think that they would recognize a, a relationship cannot survive without relating. That's what we mean by relationship, as though there's some kind of 
magical connection that just happens because you're in a marriage or a family or a friendship. And you don't need to spend time together in order to nourish or sustain that uh, relationship. The same is true in our relationship with God. When someone comes in and they want to talk about their struggle with God, with perhaps trusting Him or connecting with Him, or some other kind of thing that they're experiencing, I, I again ask just simple, simple questions that allow us to assess the source of the struggle. And I ask things like this. How often do you spend time with God alone? In prayer, in silence, in solitude, in meditation. How often do you spend time with God? How often do you spend time in His Word? Asking for guidance, encouragement, correction, reading it in relational experience. When was your last spiritual retreat where you just got away from all the things of life? And how was it for you? Did you connect in those great moments of prayer and worship, times of silence and solitude? And again, often the answer is something like, I want to, I know I should, but I don't really have the time. Or I wait until the evening and then I'm just too tired and I fall asleep. Or I just don't feel like I'm connecting. Now, I'm sure you can see the comparison. Relationships take time. Uh, time to talk. Time to listen. Time to play. Time to touch. Time to be held. Time to express real feelings and dreams and hopes and hurts. I say that in every marriage that I do. That it's a union. A time to get together and to nourish the relationship. Then, when that occurs, our relationships do not die on the vine. In the upper room, the night of Jesus' betrayal, he gives us this wonderful analogy. It has served us over all these 2,000 years. He gives us the analogy of a branch and a vine. And he explains that if we abide in Christ or remain in him, we will receive the nourishment that can produce fruit within our lives. The word that Jesus uses there is a root word. You cannot decline it any further. And it's used many times in the New Testament. It's the Greek word minnow. Minnow. It can be translated several ways. It can mean to remain with, to be with, to abide in. It can mean to sojourn with, to travel together with. It can mean to continue to be present with, to be held by, to survive with, to live with, to wait for. Now you can see that each of these describe a relational aspect, a, a being together a holding one another, a waiting for the other, a living together in nourishing, sustaining, abiding connection. So as we read this analogy of Christ, we want to consider it not just in its spiritual terms. It, of course, primarily is a, a teaching about our abiding and remaining in Christ, 
That's the primary meaning. But I want us to also read it in terms of all the love relationships we have within our lives. Any person with whom we have a relationship. If we want our marriage to be spiritually and emotionally and physically fruitful, producing love, joy, peace, and so on, then we minnow one another. If we want our family to be spiritually and emotionally productive, then we minnow. The same thing with friendships. There is no substitute for real relating in a relationship. So let's sit at the feet of Jesus. Imagine that we're there that night. Uh, we're in this intimate setting. We're uh, partaking of the Last Supper. He has washed our feet. He has invited us into that intimacy of service and servanthood and reciprocal care for one another. And John the Beloved is seated right beside him. He's experienced this great connection with God in profound ways as Jesus has has, uh, cared for him and he's responded to that. And he records what Jesus says for us. So John chapter 15, and we're going to start with the first verse, and we'll go through the eighth verse. This is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Minnow in me as I also minnow in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I keep that open before you and let's pray. Jesus, we are with you in this moment of intimate sacrament where you gave the first cup, the first broken bed, and you said, this is my body, this is my blood. I give everything for you. Allow us to receive it and to respond by giving everything back. And we would ask that in this moment, whatever is within us that causes us to pull away from you or from any person, we would ask that you would heal those things within us, those broken things. And we will, of course, give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Now, as you can see, Jesus uses that word minnow, which the NIV decides to translate it consistently as the word remain, eight times in describing how we are to be connected to him. In addition, Jesus uses the word I, me, my 16 times and the word you 17 times. So obviously, this teaching is all about Jesus wanting a relationship with you with each of us individually. He wants a relationship with you, not just with us. One of the great classics of Christian and Jewish faith was written by Martin Buber. It is titled, I and Thou. It was written in German in 1923, but its primary point is that we often treat God and others as objects to be used for our own purpose. He says when we do that, we make them an it. And we have an I-it way of relating to that object in our lives. Whereas God and others are to be treated as thou's. They are to be one with us in a divine relationship that is based on spiritual unity. I, thou, united, completed, communing, community together. That produces, he explains, a fruitful, a transformative relationship both within us, me, and you, the I am of God, and the you that is particularly you, in this eternal relationship. Now, Boover, of course, expands, and if you haven't read this, this classic book, I encourage you to do so. But he makes it clear that an it, an object, doesn't need abiding, now, whereas a living, growing, spiritual union requires time together, an intimate conversation, uh, silences together, being held together, being nourished, becoming one. And if you treat the other like an it, then there is no abiding and remaining. You will not have a true loving relationship, for they've become an object, a thought, a concept, and not a human being of infinite worth. The sacrament is undoubtedly one of the most powerful moments any of us ever experience in the I-Thou relationship, in which this spiritual communion becomes something that is literally beyond concept. Within the Wesleyan tradition, we call the sacrament a great mystery. How can God be with us? How can this be his body and his blood? How can my confession receive the forgiveness that makes me right before God? And how can he love me so much that he will do whatever it takes for me to be communing with him now and eternally? There's no concept of the mind that can fulfill that. Theology struggles to even begin to describe it. And yet every one of us experience it when we know in relationship that we're one and we're forgiven and we're, we're united and 
And in that place we begin to experience love and joy and peace. And we become patient and kind and good and we're faithful to one another. And we gain self-control. All those beautiful fruits that develop in a human being when they are loved and when they enter into that loving relationship with God. In this experience we are nourished. Our minds are filled. Our, our hearts are held. We experience something beyond any kind of, of human experience. It's a, a sacred moment, a sacrament. And so we partake together and the I-Thou union becomes complete in communion. This morning as we come to God and abide in Him, may we also remain in Him when we leave this sacred place. It isn't the sanctuary dedicated to God that brings God into our lives. It's the people gathered in his name that brings about a community of experiencing him. But what God offers to us is the I-Thou, you individually, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, he can be with you if you remain in him spend time with him and allow him to be with you. This abiding is a daily joining with God in all the ways that fruitful Christians live and those wonderful disciplines of the faith. Now as free Methodists, the sacrament is open for all. We recognize that it's an offering that God makes. It's not an offering that church makes. And so therefore, every person is welcome to participate. If you want union with God, then we encourage you to say with all of your heart the words of the sacrament. They are literally thousands of years old. And they express deep spiritual connecting with God. And as you say these words, allow them to be your words, heartfelt and true to who God is. And let God and all of his truth and love come into your life. And do not hold him back, but let him be with you. And so if you choose to come to God, then we invite you to come forward and to partake of this blessed sacrament.